Good morning. Welcome. Glad you are here. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We're glad that you're with us as well. And a special welcome to Pastor Ashley who caught the flu and the doctor told her she couldn't come to church today. So I know she's a little antsy at home and she's watching us. Well, we're going to start out a new series calling Legacy, Build What, what Lasts. And so I want to begin by kind of asking you uh, kind of what you think of. What do you think of when you hear the word Legacy. Apparently not much. <laughs> what? Heritage? Inheritance, yes. How, how you'll be remembered, yeah. Lineage. Pardon? What you yourself have done. There was another one back here? What is it? Legacy. What do you think of when you think of Legacy. What we leave behind. Good. So maybe, maybe I can help you with this, help you uh, identify some of this. So um, some of the questions, who left a legacy in your life? Think about what they left in your life. That, that kind of tells us a little bit about legacy for us. Or uh, who, who made you better in your life? Or uh, who set you up to succeed? Or who are the heroes in your life? Think about those. I mean, we like to think about what we're going to leave in a legacy, but, but before we get to that, think a little bit about the people that left a legacy in your life in some sort of way. That, that'll, that'll kind of help you with that. Um, so, so who are some of the people that left a legacy in your life? Anybody got names? You know, somebody popped to mind? Your dad. Grand, grandfather, what? Teachers. Ooh, yeah. Grandmother. Father, preachers, who else? Pardon? My mother. Your mother. Yeah, I, 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 got, I had a little more time to think about this than you, and I thought about my dad. My dad was my hero. He had a big impact in my life, my mom. But, but I also grew up in a little bitty church, and there were some men in that church that just really mentored and loved me, and I was kind of squirrely. So I think about people like, and you don't necessarily know these names, John Fillmore, although he was here a while back and spoke, Dr. Robert Woodruff, Bill Lawrence, Pastor Don Castle, Orville Howley, Keith Wright. All of those were people that I'm, I'm a part of their legacy. They poured into my life. So I want you to think specifically. Are there specific names? You don't have to call them out. But there's real great value in recognizing whose legacy you are, who poured into your life. Shake your heads if you're thinking of specific names. Okay, good. So that, that's just, in, in, in just so important. So let me just ask the question out. Whose legacy are you? Who are, are you living out with them? You are their protege. You are the person uh, that kind of took up where they left off and, and they vested in you. And, and some of those are huge. Doc, uh, Dr. Keith Wright and, and Orville Halley, you should all be deeply grateful for their investment in, their li in my life. Because I would fr frankly be a disaster without them. You know, I'd be a terrible pastor. A doctor, uh, Dr. Wright used to call me up every week in my first pastorate and say, what's going on? How you doing? I thought it was because he liked me. He was actually checking up on me is what was going on, you know? And he just, I'm so thankful for those uh, people that have done that uh, in, my, in my life. And the reality is you are somebody's legacy. We all stand on the shoulders of, of people who've gone before us, uh, whether it, it be, you know, parents or, or pastors or Sunday school teachers. If you grew up in Sunday school, there are a bunch of people you may not even remember that invested in, in your life or, or children's workers or friends or, or all kinds of people that have left a legacy in your life. And we're going to be talking about 
about leaving a legacy in the next uh, generation. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be, be talking about that. And, and this comes down to the idea of us pouring into the next generation that is behind us. Okay, this comes down to us pouring into the next generation that is behind us. Yeah. In fact, one of the great uh, mentor relationships, one of the great legacy relationships uh, is the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And Paul really invested a lot in Timothy and Titus, uh, who were young, young pastors. And this is what uh, Paul said near the end of his life, speaking to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, he said, These things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So you hear what he's saying? He said, all of this stuff that I have poured into you, Timothy, you now pour into the next generation, and, and not just into anybody, but into people who themselves will be entrusted to pour it into the next generation. And for 2,000 years, the church has been pouring that teaching into each generation uh, that, that comes after. And so that's what we want to talk about, because I think this is really, really important. In fact, this is the deal. DNA of our church, our, our scripture, I will tell the next generation, Psalm 784. Let's read that together. I will tell the next generation, Psalm 78.4. Yeah, so if you wonder, our Facebook generation 784, that's where it comes from, right? Right there. So let me give you a quick definition. Legacy is the totality of your life's impact. Not the totality of your life, but the totality of your life's impact. Because I, I don't know about you, but there are a whole lot of things in my life that are not terribly impactful, okay? You know, stuff I just do and things like that, you know. I sit down and I watch a TV show. I'm not sure that's impactful. I'm not sure that's leaving a legacy for anybody of those sorts of things, you know. It, it doesn't pass what I call the bucket of water test. You know what the bucket of water test is? If you get a bucket of water and you stick your hand in it, you know, it kind of leaves an impression and there's, the water goes up a little bit. But as soon as you pull it out, it, you know, maybe it leaves a little ripple, but it's gone. It fills in and there's, you never know that the hand was ever stuck in there. there there's a lot of stuff in our life that, that, that's like that. It's just, it's just stuff we do. And, and, and that's the bad news. But, but here's the good news. Our lives are a God-given opportunity to make a difference. Ooh, I need to say that again. Our lives are a God-given opportunity to make a difference. I, I believe this with all of my heart, and, and I, I've seen this over and over again in people's lives. And honestly, I, I, in my position, I often see people who think that they're not making a difference, and I can see that they are making a huge difference. It just didn't look like they wanted it to look like. Sometimes, in my, in my experience, I have a particular vision of how God should use me, right? And God goes, no, I'm not going to use you like this. I'm going to use you like this. I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm not finding any success over here, right? And I'm going, I'm not having any impact. And God's going, whoa, whoa you're looking at the wrong thing, dude. Someone want to say amen, or am I the only one that gets God's will wrong? You know, I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. And so, but, but we have this opportunity. I believe every one of you have a God-given opportunity to make a difference in the world, to, to leave a legacy that changes the world. Now, when I say change the world, there are too many preachers out there like, you can change the world, right? There are very few leaders that like by one person change the world, you know? You know how most change is accomplished? One person at a time making a difference where they are. You know, most change is a collection of lots of little change over, over time. And that's what the church is meant to be, and that's what you and I are, are meant to be. Small changes. You can make a difference. You can't maybe change all of the world, but you can change somebody's world. You can change the world around you. 
So this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 34, uh, verses 5 through 9. You can pick that up on our app or your phone or, or even a paper Bible. There's a paper Bible in front of you there. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, um, and, and it's the story of Moses uh, and, and Joshua who, who have a legacy relationship, have a mentor relationship, and it's one of, one of the most famous ones. Um, and the, where we're picking up the story, we are at the end of the story. Moses has come to the end of his life. And uh, God is going to take him, and, and Joshua is going to have to take the reins and, and, and step up. And you, you think about this. This has got to be a little scary for Joshua, right? You know, he has to follow Moses as a leader. You guys don't get this? You know, it is much easier to follow somebody that, that, that's a total disaster than it is to follow a hero, right? Because if you follow a person that's a total disaster, if you get to mediocrity, you seem like a hero. If you follow a hero, you can get almost there and you still feel like a loser and all of that. And so Joshua's got to follow Moses in all of this. And, um, and so I want to pick it up and we'll tell this story. There's some really important things going on in this. Uh, beginning at verse 5. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. That's where they're camped. As the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in Moses. Interesting that the Lord buried him, right? Okay. In the valley of uh, valley opposite of Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. That is an interesting sort of thing that's going on there. What do you think would have happened if the children of Israel had known where Moses' grave was? Yeah, they would have turned it into a memorial. They would have kind of worshipped it. It would have been that soul sort of thing. And can you imagine for Joshua, every time they didn't like what Joshua did, they'd go to Moses' grave and say, oh, if we only had Moses, this messed up guy Joshua we got now. And so there's an important lesson in that, and that is this. Every leader has a time, and every time comes to an end. Amen? And there's a new generation and a new set of leaders that, that, that rise up a after them. And, and, and honestly, for some of us, for my generation and up, we need to get over ourselves a little bit. Don't make God hide your grave, okay? Verse 7. Mo Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses and their plans in the plains of Moab, uh, 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. And, and this is kind of a reinforcement of this idea of transition. So Moses didn't stop being the leader because he was weak or because he couldn't see straight or because he couldn't do a good job. It says there, his eyes were strong, okay, he could still see really well, and, and, and nor was he weak, not, uh, not weak, nor his strength gone. He was strong, he was a good leader. The only reason it came to an end is because Moses' time was done. And God had a new thing and a new place. All of you my age are going, now wait a minute, let's talk about this a little bit, right? Because we don't like to think about the fact that maybe it's not all about us. But, but this passage is clearly this idea that, that God is moving to the next thing. Now the verse I really want to uh, get to is this one in, in uh, 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. And get this, because Moses had laid his hands on him, so, because of this, so the Israelites listened to him, that's Joshua, and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. That is a super important legacy passage. That has legacy written all over it. Because it's the idea that the only reason they listened to Joshua was because of Moses' investment and blessing on his life. 
And so the final act of Moses' life was to anoint and bless the next generation of leaders. So here's some things we can learn from this. Number one, how you live now determines your legacy. It did not begin with the laying on of hands. Moses began preparing Joshua from the very beginning. He poured his life into him. In fact, if you go back and you read uh, that he comes out, uh, of is, out of slavery and Joshua becomes a leader, he becomes a general of the army. And so for over 40 years, Moses is pouring himself into Joshua and preparing him and, and teaching him and, and growing him through all of that. Because, because what you do at the beginning is where you will land at the end. How many of you have ever shot a bow and arrow? Yeah, good. How many of you are like bow hunters? We got some bow hunters in here? Yeah, you guys are good shots. I was never a good shot with a bow and arrow, but my first experience was at camp. How many had a good experience with, at camp with a bow and arrow at some point? Yep. And so I remember that first time I pulled that back. I thought it was so cool because the only bow and arrow I had was like one of those little toy ones, you know? And then you go to camp and they give you like a real bow and arrow. It's like, cool. <laughs> Especially when you're an ADHD boy that has trouble obeying directions. It's like, yay, you know? I remember pulling that baby back. I was aiming at that. And I, 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 I was aiming exactly at that. I was going to put it right in the middle of that red dot and I did that and I let go of that and it did not even hit the target. In fact, the instructor's like, everybody scatter quick, you know? In fact, to this day, they say the safest place to be when I am shooting a bow and arrow is where I'm aiming because I guarantee you it won't go there. You know? And the reason for that is, and you know this, when you have an arrow and you're going to shoot it, just a tiny change makes a huge difference down the road. And, and in order to get it right, you have to really hold it steady because you get a little low or a little high or just a little bit. It's just like a half inch here, but it's like 40 feet out there. And so it is with you that, that how you live now determines what your legacy will be. If you want to have a great legacy for the kingdom of God, make the right choices now. It's never too late. For those of you who are younger, you're thinking legacy. I am not worried about legacy. I'm just trying to get through the two o'clock feeding. Thank you very much. But I'm telling you, where you point the arrow early on really, really, really matters. It determines your legacy. Your legacy is a reflection of how you lived. And, and what I said before, Moses poured his life into Joshua. And Joshua was a slave. He didn't know anything. He had no education. Moses had a Harvard MBA, man. He had all the, the advantages. He had lived in the palace. He had grown up in the palace. And he messed it all up. And, and so now he, he poured. He said, Joshua, let me teach you about leadership. Let me show you how to be a general. Let me do all of that sort of thing. And so for Moses, it was a big deal. Moses made Joshua into a great leader. That's what scripture records. He blessed him. So some things we can learn uh, about legacy together out of this. Number one, legacy is about living for something bigger than yourself. <laughs> okay. okay, this may come as a surprise to some of you, but there are some things more important than you in life. Just, just saying, you know, just saying. Legacy is about living for something bigger than you, more important than you, something that, that lasts, something that, that, that matters in, in our lives. And you all get this. As soon as you have kids, immediately you know it's never about you again. Amen? To the day you die, it is never uh, about you. And so legacy is about living for something bigger than yourself. Something that will last after you are gone. Something that, that matters more than you. There are things in life worth dying for, amen? There are things in life worth giving your resources to and all, and all of those sorts of things. So this is a key kind of value in, in, in our lives. Uh, and then legacy is about building a life that makes a difference whether you are present or not. 
Ever think about that? That, that your life can continue to be an influence after you are gone? There's this strange trick that God plays on us all. And that is that when we're young, we think we know everything, right? Or maybe I thought I knew everything. And then as you get older, you actually do learn a few things. But then you're looking at the end of the race. It's like, how did that happen, you know? So, so when you're young, you're trying to figure out how to be a parent and all of that. And you get a little older, you get a little wiser about that whole parenting thing. You get a little better at that. In fact, after my kids left, I became an expert on parenting, you know? It just, I did. And so there's this really this great value for you to leave something into the next generation, to bless those that will, that will come after you. You, you can do this, something that, that lasts beyond you. And then legacy is the knowledge that God almost always works multi-generationally. Legacy is the acknowledgement that God almost always works multi-generationally. And I, I want to really kind of take some time with this one this morning. Uh, all through Scripture, God has this tendency to give a dream, and whoever receives the dream thinks that they're going to be the one to bring it to fulfillment. But almost every time, God, God doesn't fulfill the dream until at least one more generation, and very often many, 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 many generations. God is constantly working multi-generationally. And our difficulty in America is we live in a highly individualistic society, and we have a tendency to think, it's all about me. <laughs> we think that whether you like it or not. That's the truth. We have a tendency to think that. And God very rarely works like that. In fact, in, in all kinds of ways. Remember Abraham? Remember God's promise to Abraham? I will make of you a great nation. And God got, got a guess as to how long it took to make of him a great nation? At least 400 years, maybe 500 would be a little closer. You get through, you know, Abraham had Isaac and then the other. I'll make of you a great nation. He got two kids and one of them lived away from them. You know, it's, it's God, God does that. Moses and, and Joshua. Poor Moses, God calls him with a burning bush to, to go and deliver the people of Israel and bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And he gets all the way up to, you could see it across the river and God says, no, 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 you're not going in. Joshua's taking them in. Multi, multi-generationally. David, you remember David? God gave David a great dream to build the temple. And so David brought peace and he's all ready to build the temple. And God says, no, 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 no. Next generation, who built the temple? Solomon, David's son, built the temple. Jesus, you know, really, if you, if Jesus couldn't ever write a leadership book because he wasn't all that successful. After three years of ministry, he had 12 disciples and maybe 120 that were hanging out. But in the next generation... 3,000 men are saved in one service and it went kaboom from there. Even in Jesus, he worked multi-generationally. And so this is at the heart of what we are about. We are committed to telling the next generation, amen? That means preparing them, encouraging them, giving them what they need to raise them up. It's why we're committed to children's ministry because we gotta begin when they're young. We gotta point that arrow the right space, amen? Okay, so... Here's what I know about this issue of legacy, and that is this. Legacy is about making someone else the hero. Legacy is about making someone else the hero. I originally was going to title this, this sermon, uh, Do You Want to Be a Legend or a Legacy? Uh, a legend is someone that, that everybody says, wow, what a great person, and you tell the stories, but that doesn't really make any difference. It's just good stories. People that leave a legacy are maybe people you don't even see as being all that important, but they change the world. 
I, I think when we get to heaven, school teachers and Sunday school teachers are going to be the great heroes of heaven because they change the world. They serve in anonymity for the most part, but they change the world because they start them young. And so it was with, with Moses and Joshua. Moses poured himself into Joshua and made Joshua the hero of the story. And he didn't resent it, and he, he didn't wrestle with him for power or fame or, or any of those sorts of things. When the Lord came along and Moses' time was done, Moses is like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to be done with all of this. And really, when you think about it, uh, just, there's just enough justice stuff in me. I, I don't, I'm like, Moses is pretty calm about all this. I'm not sure I would be so calm. I mean, have you looked at that story? Moses goes to the very top gets dropped to the very bottom, spends 40 years wandering around a mountain with sheep. Boy, that can't be very much fun. God's burning bush, that was weird, sends him back to Israel, or sends him back to, to Pharaoh to have an argument with probably his stepbrother, right? And, and, and to tell, to tell uh, Pharaoh, you gotta let the Jews go. Yeah, I guess how that went over. It didn't go over very well. They want to kill him. All the plagues. People die. It's a mess. They finally get out of there. Woohoo! We're doing good. And the very next thing is that the Pharaoh's army comes after them and they're up against the Red Sea and they're all going to die. And God intervenes and they finally get through that place. They get on the other side. They build a temple. They, they build a, a, an altar. And then for the next 40 years, Moses spends his life listening to them whine and cry about the food and the water. We're going to die. Everything is awful. Moses, why did you do this to us? And he gets finally, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, he gets all the way up to the promised land. He can see it across the river. And God says, you're not going in, Moses. Joshua's going to take you in. And he's going to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I paid all the dues here. I put up with this mean, cantankerous people that you created, by the way. It's not fair. Oh, don't look at me like you've never felt like that. Any of you ever felt like something was unfair, like you did all the work and someone else got the credit, you know? Yeah, I'm guessing all of us have felt that sort of thing. And so Moses, though, he in his goodness, he, he does that. He, he gives that up. He, he lets it go. And then um, uh, Joshua takes the leadership and gets him across there. And then the very next thing that happens, imagine what it's like for Moses looking at heaven. After all of the whining and the complaining and all of the struggle, Joshua goes across the river he takes his troops and does a little parade around the city seven times and all the walls fall down and he wins the battle. I mean, if I'm Moses, I'm going, hey, you should have made him suffer a little more. See, legacy is about making someone else the hero. And that's hard for us sometimes. But it's the way God works in that. And, and here's what I've come to, to believe about this. And I got this from uh, another person, but they just said it so well, it just really captures it for me. And that is this. My fruit grows on other people's trees. We are so desperate to have the fruit grow on our trees, to get the credit, to say, hey, look at what I did. Hey, I was a hero. Hey, I, and, and that's never the way God works. And so I have come to believe that, that true Christianity is this idea of my fruit grows on other people's trees. That, that Moses' fruit grew on Joshua's tree. That, that all that happened was a, a part of that and in, in, in what he had done. In fact, here's the way I would say it. Moses never made it to the promised land, but without him, no one would have made it. Amen. He was the one that did that. My fruit grows on, on, on someone else's trees. I, I recently was at a conference with our former youth pastor, Sherwin Ruliota. Uh, many of you know him while he was here. He, uh, he uh, left here and, and went to become a senior pastor in Bremerton. And, and we kind of ended up flying together. And he stayed with my daughter where we were at. And, and um, 
And so as we were coming off the, the airplane, there was a whole bunch of 20-something pastors from our district, and, and they kind of congregated around him and were talking to him, and, and he had a car. They had kind of forgot to make the arrangements for that, and so he ended up uh, taking, taking them out for uh, for. Um, dinner that night, and, and, and over time I watched them just kind of gravitate around him. And all of a sudden I saw that he was starting to build a legacy in the next generation. That all of the, I poured into him for a long, long time, long before we got to this church, and now I see him pouring into the next generation. You know what I thought? My fruit grows on other people's trees. I looked at those young pastors and I said, that's my fruit. That's my fruit. In fact, I'm determined to take credit for anything he does well. That's... <laughs> and not all the fruit is good. Afterwards, Sherwin came. We were home with my, my daughter. We were staying up late talking. And after Sherwin, he said, hey, I got to tell you something. One of those young pastors, you know, after you had left, because I had a separate rental car, he said, who's that old pastor? <laughs> I am not old. Well, anyway, let's move on, Okay. <laughs> What if the purpose of your life is not to be the hero, but to make the hero? What, what, what if that's the purpose? What if, what, if what if it's not to be the hero, but to, to make the hero? Everybody stands on someone else's shoulders. Who are you going to make the next generation hero? Who, who are you raising up? Who, what, if, what if God's purpose of your life was never that you would be the famous one? but that you would create the next generation of leaders. That's why we care so much about children and teens. And here's what I know about this. The next generation needs your sacrifice now so they can prosper later. Amen? Don't you love this building? I love this place. But do you know what? This is, the, this is the, 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 uh, an end of a story, not the beginning of the story. Our, our church is almost 110 years old, and it began down on 4th Street. A group of people came together and sacrificed. They gave of their resources and their energy and their skill set to build a little church down there on 4th Street, down there by where uh, the living room coffee house was. And then that church grew, and they knew that they didn't have room so they tore that building down and they built another one, which is today the Living Room Coffee House. And they sacrificed it financially and they gave their time and they gave their energy and they worried and it was stressful. And then in the 90s, a pastor came along and God gave him a vision that they should come all the way up the hill and build a church up here. It was all forest. We had a great ministry to the forest of Marysville in this place. And they sacrificed and they gave their time. And I, I've seen the pictures of some of them up in these rafters up here, pounded nails. You gotta really love Jesus to go up there. I mean, you gotta really love Jesus to go up there because I'm afraid of heights. And today you sit in a building that is wonderful because a past generation gave of their energy that sacrificed in order that you might bridge this generation. And quite frankly, in the course of this series, I am going to ask you to sacrifice to reach the next generation. Okay, three of you are on board. That's good. We'll work on that. This is the beginning. It's the beginning. Truth of the matter is you understand this. You, you do this. My, my dad did this. My dad felt called of God to be a medical missionary. He felt he should be, go to get a, become a doctor and, and, and the, the stuff that goes with that. But, but his life got messed up early on in sin and he took a bad course into a very bad place. And by the time he came back, it was no longer possible for that to happen. He ended up as one, he didn't finish the 10th grade. Got a ninth grade education. 
years later when, when I was getting ready to go to college, it was expensive, and, and so my dad really wanted to help out in that, and so for the years that I was in college and when my sister was in college, he would take all of the overtime he could. He worked a ton of hours, and he was probably in his 50s at that point, in order that his children might have what he could never have. He sacrificed for us. And there was this amazing thing that happened in my ministry in the last place. We got to be involved in a ministry in Brazil and we were the first church to build a medical clinic in the Church of the Nazarene in Brazil. And on the side of that building is my name. And I thought it should be my dad's name. Because what he began in one generation, he finished in the next. And a complete, because he was willing to sacrifice in a way that he had never seen before. So, so let me ask you this. And, and by the way, I just need to remind you, my, my roots are hillbilly, right? You remember that? My mom's side. So all of you grammar Nazis, put your red pins away for just a minute, okay? Because this is, I just got to say this hillbilly and that's this. You can't hit what you ain't aiming at. It's so important that we have to focus on this. We have to be intentional about reaching the next generation. It's so powerful. So let me close. I got one more point, but let me close by reading you the the beginning of the book of Joshua. We read the the end of Exodus, which was Moses' book. The beginning of Joshua, the book of Joshua starts with this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River and into the land I'm about to give you to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as promised, Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. We heard that last week. Because you will lead these people. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And the fulfillment of the promise began with the words, Moses is dead. So let me ask you, what comes after Craig is dead? And don't put my name in the blank there, okay? Your name goes in the blank on that. Ah, A couple of you trying to cheat. And if our musicians could come, we're going to worship the Lord in giving, and I know my time is out. But I really do want you to think about this. I know it sounds a little morbid, But if we are going to build a legacy, we need to ask this question because, boy, does it clarify the way we think about it. Because one day, whether you like it or not, there will be someone who will say, you remember Pastor Craig? He stepped out into eternity. I hope that I've left a legacy that matters when I'm done. Amen? For musicians who come, let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, we've just begun this journey about legacy, and I I know it's so important. And and Father, maybe it's just because of my age, but it just seems like very little matters as much as getting getting the gospel into the next generation, Father. And in raising up a Joshua, Father, that that will uh, inherit all that we have uh, sent to that generation and use it for good, that will take the land, Father, for you, that will uh, reach their generation and make a difference. So, Father, I pray that you would bless these good people. I know that they sacrifice, Father. I know that they care about the next generation, Father. Would you just do a mighty and powerful thing in us, Lord? We may not be the hero, but I pray, Father, that you would make us hero makers for your glory and for your honor, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.